Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid back way. So sit back, relax, unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. We here at Stories the True and the Fictional love giving shout outs to authors, both seasoned and new. Today we're giving a special shout out to author Christine Gardner from Central Victoria, Australia. She has multiple books out, but there's one in particular she would like you to know about. The Letter, a family secret hidden for generations. A story told from the perspective of two sisters orphaned on their way out to the Australian goldfields and their great, great descendant who unearths the family secrets a hundred odd years later. You can buy a copy from Amazon by following the link in the show notes. Hello guys and welcome to this episode of Story Chat, the spin-off of Stories the True and the Fictional. Um, we have an exciting guest for you. His name is Adam Gaffin and I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right, didn't I, Adam? You did. You did. It's pronounced just the way it looks. Yeah. Cool. Um, how are you? Good. Good. I'm really pleased to be here. Yeah, well, happy to have you on. So, um, as our listeners would know, we and watchers, we'd love to do icebreakers before we dive into everything about you. Um, so, Ryan, do you want to take the first icebreaker question for us? Well, you know I do. It's my, <laughs> it leads into my favorite question of all time. So, um, Adam, this question is, uh, this is just to give the, give the audience an opportunity to get to know a bit about you, aside from your wonderful, wonderful books. Um, so, if you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? Get rid of one thing in the world, and it doesn't have to be political. You can, it can be. No, no, no. You don't like anything, uh, get them gone. Hmm. The first thing that actually came to mind was poison ivy, but what the character from the Batman novels, or just poison ivy? No, the the, the weed. <laughs> oh, okay, that works. On, that works on a, a pretty good one, actually. Yeah, I'm not coming up with something that's going to top it immediately. No. no. Maybe just weeds in general, you know? Um. <laughs> well, a, a, a weed is just a plant that's growing in a place that you don't expect it to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so. I totally agree with that. Poison ivy, you know, to stop people getting annoyed, getting like sick and if they go decide to go for a lovely bushwalk. So <laughs> I can't argue with that. No, all right. Question number two. What's something on your bucket list? Uh... You know those six-month round-the-world cruises? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm with you there, buddy. I'm with you there. I mean, where? how else can you go see, you know, a little bit of, like, everything and not have, you know, and unpack and repack once? Yep. Yeah. You know, the hotel, you know, you go to sleep, you wake up the next day or a couple days later in the same hotel room, (laughs) and you're in a completely different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, man. Like I, I, 
I, I only discovered cruising recently about three years before the pandemic and I absolutely love it. I agree with you. It's like the, the biggest cruise I went on, we went to five different locations and you were, I love the fact that I didn't have to pack up, get on a plane or a train, <laughs> go there, unpack. Because you spend half your time unpacking. It's just right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wait, waiting in queues at the airport. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I reckon, you know what? I'm going to say that's one of the best answers we've had. <laughs> and that's because I agree with it. So that's always a winner. I, I do. You know, the mark of an intelligent man is how much they agree with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and I look, in saying that, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, this one, this next question is my favorite question, and it is one that we do judge very, 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 very harshly on. Um, so. <laughs> What is the greatest sitcom ever made? And if it's not your favorite, what is your favorite? Mm. I'm going to go real old school and I'm going to say MASH. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the boundaries of what a sitcom could be, you know, it wasn't just, you know, laugh track and everything's funny. It touched on serious subjects. It wasn't afraid to poke fun at politics and anything else that you know came in its radar no i i i like that now did you speaking of mash did you stick around for the after mash show i don't <laughs> remember honestly i don't remember i didn't particularly yeah it wasn't very good yeah <laughs> This <laughs> forty years ago, too. It is, yeah. It had, um, it had radar. It had um, radar and Father Mulcahy. Yes, and um, and uh, Colonel Potter. Correct, correct. They had everyone who didn't really move on and go and do bigger and better things like Alan Alda and everything like that. So, right. um, yeah. No, look, that's a great answer. Mash is a classic. Um, I, it was a, it was probably I'm forty now, but I remember watching it on the weekends at my grandmother's house. Uh, when I was little, um, you know, I think it was it was a staple. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that is replayed a million times. Like you, I, I, even over here in Australia, where we don't have that many channels, you can put it on. You put on one of the channel, and chances are you're going to get an episode at least once a day. Um, so I think it's a solid answer. Very good, very good. I appreciate that. Consider yourself judged. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next, uh, next question is. Um, uh, favorite of mine um do you have a zombie apocalypse plan uh let's see a zombie apocalypse plan i i, I do unfortunately i'm no i'm not close enough to water to put it into effect um if you've read or are familiar with john ringo's black tide rising mm-hmm. yeah that series yep. okay that uh i know john so okay. you know that that I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but I think he, you know, really put some thought into okay, you know, zombie apocalypse. What do you do? Okay, get out on a boat. Yeah. You know, stock up the boat with the, you know, get the biggest boat you can, stock it up with as much of everything as you can, and get out to sea. Um, if you brought it with you, pretty well up a creek, anyways. But if you <laughs> haven't brought it with you, then you know, there aren't going to be any zombies on the open ocean. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a solid plan. And you could work that in with your bucket list too. <laughs> no, 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 no. Zombie apocalypse and a cruise ship. No, 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 oh, okay. no, 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 just, just, just no. <laughs> what, what if it's a cruise ship, but no one's on it? <laughs> uh, a cruise ship with no one on it um, is unlikely. And those things need maintenance that mm. you know yeah. I, i'm nowhere near qualified to do yeah true i, I didn't even think about that you're right with that you know i mean it's yeah. all, all and well not even close enough to fake it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all well and good to hijack a cruise ship but then yeah you need the crew to go with it yeah. you need the crew right yeah. and then you're increasing your chances of someone being infected and yeah. asymptomatic and you know and you've got a whole situation there so yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> Just get a small boat, cap, maybe half cabin boat or something, and live a life on the sea. <laughs> Become a pirate, I say. <laughs> you know, but um, okay. Next question is also it's a good it's a good judge of character too to find out what in this situation. So uh, a good buddy Elon Musk gives you a call up and says says uh, Adam, I've just invented the new uh, this new electric time machine. No one knows about it. I'm going to let you test drive it. Where do you go and what do you do? Oh, okay. So uh, first, a question on your question, because I'm actually in, in the book behind me. Does this time machine go forward and backwards? or Correct. Okay. So, all right. So traditional time machine. You yep. can go anywhere you want. Okay. Anytime, future, path. And you have a little button on your watch. That will bring you the exact moment you left, but you can only use it once. Okay. And, and is this, sorry, just trying to frame, That's frame the question. Um, is he allowing me to test it like one trip, one time, or is it go and see what it can do and no. see? One trip, one, trip. one time. <laughs> one trip, one time. Because you're not that good of a friend. Like, he's friends okay. with Elon Musk, but he's like, he's got shit to do. Um, <laughs> so he just wants you, he goes, look, look, Adam, you're, you're my best friend. I want you to use this, but you can only use it once because it costs $75 trillion each. <laughs> okay. So no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. So um, if I can only do it once, then I'm going to jump ahead some hundreds of years to where I figure they figured out how to, um, how to extend the human lifespan okay. and, you know, conquer various and sundry diseases, you know, genetic engineering, nanobots, whatever it is, uh, get it and, and then come back. Okay. Because then, having seen the future, I can, and having now extended my lifespan, I may be able to buy another ride. <laughs> ah, okay, I see. I see what you're talking about. Trade see, it, yeah. So you're you're the guy who goes, who gets the one wish. You get three wishes from a genie, and you wish for more wishes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. smart man. Oh, man so yeah so cool. the goal is go go to the future get the technology create the technology destroy elon musk 
Time <laughs> Lord. Just buy him out. Yeah, buy him out. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Non-hostile takeover. Non-hostile takeover. Here you go, you one. Here's a trillion bucks. <laughs> I like it. I like that. Wonderful. We had we had another guest who who um who had another great answer like that. He said he would go back in time to where Elon Musk dad found like found the emerald mine in South Africa and find it so that Elon Musk wouldn't exist. And, he, <laughs> and then he'd go back and it'd be like him everywhere instead of Elon Musk. So. <laughs> the problem with going into the past, the problem with going into the past, again, science fiction writer, you know, this is one of the things I think about is that you end up creating paradoxes yeah yeah so either you create a paradox or you can't do anything you know there's nothing you can do in the past that's going to affect your future yeah or you go into another you know a parallel universe uh, yeah. and whatever you left behind in your home universe is now gone yeah so you got to think really carefully if that's the case is what you have in the home universe worth coming back to if so you don't go to the past you don't want to change anything exactly you go to the future that way if something goes wrong you got time to plan <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah if you go a thousand years in the future and the earth is a cinder well <laughs> <laughs> no i like it very good answer very good. thank you thank you for answering those questions adam um, so why don't you start by, uh, before we jump into your, your books, the Cassidy Chronicles, why don't you give us a bit of background on yourself, how you got into writing, um, you know, and your journey to becoming uh, a sci-fi author? Sure. Well, I, I grew up, my parents had this weird idea that anything on PBS, the public broadcasting service here in the States, um, anything on PBS would be a fair game. So stuff like Sesame Street electric company um, that was on there but they didn't quite realize that pbs also bought a lot of their programming from the bbc so at a very young age i was exposed to um, monty python faulty towers nice. and doctor who yeah so uh <laughs> you know I, I i got exposed to science fiction at a very young age um i i listened to the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, I've been listening to it and reading it. And somewhere in high school, I read a story by an author. And it just, the language she used was vibrant. And it was a science fiction story. It was vibrant. It was unlike anything else that was out there because she made up her own slang. She, you know, and she really created a universe that wasn't just pedestrian and kind of boring writing. Mm. So that's when I was like, oh, wow, that, that's really cool. That's probably when the, the seed of writing sci-fi was planted. A few years later, I played around with creating a, uh, a future history like Robert Heinlein did, you know, a, 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 a timeline of future events. And I've been writing on and off ever since. I really got serious about it. Um, it was one of the few good things to come out of the whole pandemonium uh, because you know, a few months earlier, the company I had been working for, they downsized, laid me off, you know, and they said, sorry, 
don't, you know, we're, we're discontinuing your job. So I had time and then all of a sudden everything shuts down. So I really had time. Yeah. You know, it's not just, okay, I'm looking for work and trying to find, you know, do whatever I can. Now it's like, okay, nobody's going out. Nobody's doing anything out there. If you don't have a job, you're kind of stuck right now. So I turned back to writing. I picked up the Cassidy Chronicles because I had written the first two thirds of it 10 years earlier, uh, picked it up, dusted it off, and finally knew how I was going to finish it. I finished it, put it out there, and I've been putting them out ever since. There are now five novels in the main series. There is a memoir written by one of the main characters, uh, her childhood. 60 years from now. And there is a collection of stories that just came out in April. And then the book you see behind me comes out in June. And yeah, that's how I ended up where I am writing. I'll tell you what, like the pandemic has done a, a lot of horrible things. But I mean, most of the writers that we have on, it's created that time to go back and actually invest and revisit passions of writing. Um, and I think if there's one good thing to come out of the pandemic, it's given, um, it's given people like yourself uh, and my colleague, Jamie, the, the time to down and get serious about writing. Um, because you know what, at the end of the day, lots of people lost their jobs. Like I lost, I lost one in the first round of the pandemic and the one in the second round of pandemic. And it gives you that time to reevaluate, okay, I'm going to put everything I have into this passion, into this, you know, into your writing um, and look where it's gotten you. Absolutely. And, and I've noticed um, in the past couple of years, the writing community is really a lot more supportive and cohesive now than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Because we've all realized that there is an almost insatiable market. Yeah. There. there are 8 billion people on the planet, you know, and uh, some percentage of them read and read a lot. Mm -hmm. So there are more readers than there are writers that, you know, and Jamie, you write, so, you know, you know, it's not a quick process. Even somebody who bangs out you know, bangs out books quickly, you know, it's still a month, two months to write and edit, you know, to write, you know, to write it and edit and get it out. Yeah. Um, there's no way we can glut the market. So I'm not competing with my fellow writers. We are all in this together. Yeah. And so we can all support each other. You know, I, I do, you know, you do these, podcasts i do a weekly author interview on my website you know and it's just you you want it i've got a sign up sheet you you want it you want a spot sure jump in i don't you know whatever you write it doesn't have to be science fiction it can be fantasy it can be poetry it can be i had a woman on last week it's actually her second time there she wrote a uh, a memoir of you know called the tinderella diaries and okay sure Come on, you know, let's let's all support each other. Let's yeah. all, you know, let's all rise up together. Yeah. 
I couldn't agree yeah. more. That's the reason why we got into doing this. You know, we're not in, like, as we uh, we did an interview with the gentleman yesterday and I said the same thing. We, we're not in it for the fame. We're not in it for the money. We're in it to support the writing community, um, you know, because as, as being friends with Jamie, I know how hard it is to get that completed product and to get it out there and to get people to read it. Um, and that's why we came up with this idea as a spin-off from our May podcast, just to get authors on, just to get it out there. And we're building our following on YouTube. I think we're almost at 1,500 subscribers, which is, get, we're getting there. But yeah, that's not bad. That's yeah, not bad at all. The more people that watch it and the more people that we can get this out to, um, the more, because I've discovered so many great books from just from, and I'm, I'm an avid reader. I'll read, you know, at least two to three books a week. And, um, and I work full-time as well. So I try and get it, get as much done as I can. Um, I've, I've discovered so many fantastic books from the authors we've had. So I hope a lot of our listeners and viewers can also get that too. And that in turn helps out the community. It gives you guys the ability to keep writing, doing what you love doing. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I wouldn't care if we didn't make a single cent off this. You know, I just want to get more, more eyes on more books. And um, yeah, so that's fantastic. I, I'm actually looking forward to. I've just bought your book, your first, the first um, Cassidy Chronicles <laughs> ebook. So I'm looking forward to cracking into that too. Wonderful. Yeah, the the first one. Um, now that there's more of the series, the first is kind of a prequel book. Yeah. Because it takes place five years before any of the rest of them. Yeah. And it introduces you to the two main characters, Ayana and Kendra, mm-hmm. um, and a whole other characters who end up having bigger roles in the later books yeah Uh, there's one character in there uh master sergeant retired michaela stone who is a former navy seal who was thrown out because she couldn't hold in her temper and she beat up her commander um (laughs) oops yeah and you know, there's uh, Agent Amanda McAllister, who is an IT specialist who doesn't usually go out into the field and has the social skills of, oh, oh well, yeah, your typical, you know, IT person. She, she talks, when you get to read it, her, her paragraphs, her, her dialogue, mm-hmm. it's one continuous sentence. Because that's how she talks. Yeah. If you listen to the audiobooks, the, the narrators have done a great job with her because they really get her. <laughs> and it throws off the other characters because the first time they encounter her, it's like, did she breathe? <laughs> no, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. I did see that also there is an audiobook version as well. So um, that would be exciting too, because it, it does, like I know from my commute, I have Audible and I listen to audiobooks too. So that must have been very exciting to get it in audiobook form as well. There, you know, there are lots of thrills associated with writing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you get something out there and you put it up and, you know, the first person buys it, or you get it out there in paperback and you order that you know, the author copies and they come in in the box and you open it up and it's like, ooh. But hearing 
a good narrator bring your story to life, your words being read by somebody else and them bringing those characters to life. Yep. There isn't another feeling like it. Uh, it's just stunning. And then you're listening to it going, I wrote this. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. No, that was... You know, I find if you can get a good narrator, if you can get a, a good a good um, narrator and voice actor, it, it it's just so so exciting to see it come to life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I've I've been fortunate. Um, so, I've actually worked with six different narrators. Um, one is for the first book. I say that very loosely. It's only 15,000 words, so it's barely a novella. But it's a it's a, it's vampires who have time travel. And it's called Refuge. Yep. And I found I, I found a narrator to do that mm -hmm. and her voice matched it so per, so perfectly. She's got this beautiful southern Irish accent. Okay. Uh, and it it just flows. Uh, I wrote a couple of Sherlock Holmes stories and I oh, wow. So somebody, you know, a, a London native did the, did that, you know, that audiobook is all of half an hour long, but it, it's just, it's a cool little snippet. And with the Cassidy Chronicles books, um, the first narrator I had theater, you know, professional theater actress. And when things started opening up, she had done three of the books and she wasn't able to do the fourth one because she was going to be too busy for a while. Okay. She, she couldn't give me a time that mm. she said, okay, I, you know. So I found another one and she is a television and film actress. Oh, wow. Yep. So she, um, she did the fourth and fifth books and she almost finished recording the one behind me. And then she had to fly off to get married and have her honeymoon. Oh, uh, she, oh, she literally has one chapter left to record for oh, this. Come week. on, you can put off the best day of your life just to get that last chapter done. Geez, where's it? Literally, going? her last email to me, her last email to me with a with a chapter that she had recorded came to me 20 minutes before she was leaving to go to the airport. Oh wow. <laughs> so I mean she was she dedicated. Absolutely dedicated. Well, how long was the um, flight? She could have done it on the flight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The flight was from LA to Ireland. She got married in Ireland. Oh, okay. um, yeah, no. And and she has a whole setup at home. She's got the whole recording booth and profession. Yeah, no. I get you. Yeah. And then uh, the, the, the story collection, Into the Black, that was done by a different narrator because... I wanted to separate it just a little bit from the series. Yeah. You know, I wanted to give it just a little bit of space because unlike the, the main series, mm -hmm. which are mostly told from Kendra and Ayana's perspective, you know, they're the main characters. So everything kind of revolves around them. Yeah. The collection has a bunch of stories written about other characters. So I need, so I wanted to do something a little bit different. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, well, do you want to 
just tell us about your book that's coming out. I mean, it's out in June, so why not? Why not we just plug it and tell us what it's what it's all about? How it came to be? Sure. So this one is kind of like the story collection. Uh, I took some of the secondary characters from the series and fast forwarded about three years and put them all on a starship, which has been built for deep space exploration. You know, take the old Star Trek missions, you know, the the five-year mission, you know, go out and explore. Uh, Except Star Trek, they would always go back, you know, and they'd show up at a planet that was, you know, inhabited or, you know, part of the Federation, or they would uh, end up at a star base. So it's like they would go out and come back and go out and come back and go out and come back. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mission of the, of the TFS Pike is to go out and we'll see you in three years. Okay. So it's a massive starship. It is four kilometers long, two kilometers wide, about a kilometer tall, mm. and has 4,000 people aboard. Wow. Plus you know, shuttles and fighters and scout ships so that, you know, it can, when it does stop, it can spread out and explore without leaving the star system it's in. Um, so that, that's the premise. You know, it, it's three years after the war has ended that was in the, in the main series. Mm-hmm. And they're finally getting back to, you know, serious exploration. It took a while to, to design and build this ship. Yeah. And I took these characters and like I said, they're out there for three years. So I'm trying to get some of the psychological pressures like that submariners experience because they don't have it. You know, you know you're out there with 4,000 people or 40 people and it's just us. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else. It's just us. And whether you get along with them you know, whether you like them or not, you have to get along with them because you're going to be working with this person for the next three years. Yeah. So there is a lot of potential conflict. Um, right at the very beginning, I set it up that one of the main characters, her ex, uh, gets assigned at the last minute to be aboard. And mm-hmm. so that, and that, that was actually really so well. So yeah. that was amazingly going well. Yeah, that, that was a really fun scene to write. You know, the, the hey, I'm here. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they, they go out and the first half of the book, first third of the book is getting to know these characters. Mm-hmm. And then they discover a rogue planet. And a rogue planet is a planet that has been ejected from its star system for whatever reason. Uh, The astrophysicists generally believe that it's because another star passed through the system and it disrupted its orbit and it flung it off into deep space. So most rogue planets are frozen frozen solid yeah you know no sunlight nowhere else. Freeze. so they discover a rogue planet okay you know that that's nice you know we're slowing down to take a look at and then they discover that there 
is a magnetic field on the planet, which is too strong to be generated naturally. Okay. So the person who discovered it gets to lead the landing party. Okay. She's a very junior officer who, um, and that's a wrong side. This one, the special <laughs> edition, that's her. Okay. All right. So Nicole Crozier, uh, she was in all of the all of the main series, except she was in the main series as first somebody on the other side of the war, mm-hmm. and, and then she rose up to be their minister of war, and then she circumstances arose that she had to leave Luna. So she's a politician, and she's like, "I'm done with it. I'm mm-hmm. finished with it. I don't want to do it anymore." So she joins, you know, the Terran Federation exploration branch and off she goes. She's now a very junior officer with a lot of experience as somebody used to power, um, which sets up other conflicts. So she gets to leave the landing party and things get interesting from there. Excellent. Uh, You have to read to find out more, guys. Yeah, you don't want to give it away. Yes, you have to read to find out more. Yeah. Uh, just a quick question, spinning off that: Do you need to have? Is it obviously she's a part of the the, the main series, but is it uh, is it a book that you can read without having read too much of the the main series? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the because the the first three chapters are Kendra mm-hmm. kind of making a cameo appearance first explaining what the ship is and then recruiting the officers Oh, because she's in charge of the exploration branch and she runs the whole Terran Federation, or at least she did. She founded it. She and her wife have more money than God. Um, (laughs) So when you have more money than God, you get to do pretty much whatever you want to do. Um, do All she's wanted to do is she wants to go explore the stars. And so this is her realizing her dream, but she has to staff the ship and she's choosing the officers. So the beginning of it, the first three chapters, you meet, you know, you're introduced to Kendra and she introduces the ship and tells you all about it. And then she recruits the officers and you find out about the officers there and some of their backstories. And you find out more of their backstories as you go through the book. So no, you do not have to have read any of the Cassidy Chronicles uh, to know what's going on. You'll catch up pretty, pretty quick. Excellent. Well, that's good to know if, you know, if someone wants to get on, you know, that's good that this could be a jumping on point. Someone could read this book and go, you know what? I want to jump back and get right into that. So it's always good to have those kind of series as well. Yes. Yes, and that's why you can see on the other one, it says a Cassidyverse novel, you know, underneath the title. Mm -hmm. Because it's set in the same universe, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, you know, the Cassidy Chronicles centers around Ayana and Kendra. The Cassidyverse are all the other characters. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Cool, cool. Um, so when I was doing my research, I actually did a bit of research, Ryan. I noticed that, that you say you like to add your fans to your books. Um, 
you want to tell us a bit about that? And is it is it obvious or is it subtle? Um, okay, so the answer to the second question is yes. It, it is obvious and subtle. It's not that I take their personalities and their physical descriptions. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know, I'll go out every so often and I'll go to a Facebook group that I'm, that I'm part of or I'll go to my fan page, although they're pretty well tapped out, um, and say, hey, who wants to be in the next book? And I'll get a flood of names. <laughs> and so, okay, great, fine. All right, yep. You know, and I, I, I'll have lists of, and lists and lists of names for me to draw on. Um, and that all got started with the very first, the very first novellas in the Cassidy Chronicles in that first book. So, you know, 10 years ago, and I would just say to somebody, hey, you know, you know, hey, Lisa, you know, can I use your name? <laughs> can I put you into the book as a character? Oh, sure. So <laughs> I've been doing that since the beginning. And, and one of the nice things is people really like seeing their names in there. Um, yeah. Nicole, Nicole Crozier, she's a real person. Um, and so I told her that she's, you know, kind of turned into the focus of this next book. And she was like, what? <laughs> when does it come out? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's such a such a good idea. Like it, like you'd never have, have to be stumped for coming up with character names or anything. You just go like, who wants to be in the book? And then you've mm -hmm. got this list. Of and, 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 you know, I have names all, all over, you know, all sorts of different ethnicities, you know, so it's, it's fairly representative. I like to think it's not just the, you know, the, the Western hemisphere, you know, Eurocentric yeah. kind of names. Well, I've, I've heard, I've heard the name Ryan polls very well with readers. So <laughs> you, you have my permission to put me in. I mean, I, I am an esteemed, you know, I have appeared in Jamie, one of Jamie's book. Um, and you know, the not notoriety has gone to my head. So if you do want to put me in your book, more than welcome to. Um, well, that, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, you guys know Bain Books? They, they, Bain Books, B-A-E-N. They published John Ringo's books and Dave Weber's. Oh, okay, yep, 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 yep. So the Honor Harrington books and yeah. Yep. So about 20 years ago, there was a, a fan named Joe Buckley and he complained to one of the writers about something they did. So they wrote him into a story and did horrible things to him. Okay. And it became a tradition at Bain that all of the authors took turns, including Joe Buckley in <laughs> their stories and did horrible things to him. Nice. So my first real attempt at writing, I mean, writing something big was I went and did a fan fiction on a, what as a sequel to one of John's uh, series uh, with his blessing. Mm -hmm. I, might add. I actually, you know, I kept him posted with it and he was like, you know, you know, you go right ahead, you do it. Um, 
He even told me how he plans to end the series, but I can't tell anybody. <laughs> so, so I won't. Yeah. Anyways, so in that, I had my own Joe Buckley. Yeah. And I have since, you know, I, I've talked to Joe Buckley online. Um, and, you know, he's cool with it. So in the very first Cassidy Chronicle story, uh, there Joe Buckley makes an appearance. <laughs> and I do horrible things to him as well. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> keeping the tradition alive keeping the tradition alive excellent how did he feel about all this <laughs> um I, I i don't know how he felt at first yeah but i i do know that now he he's like oh yeah yeah it, it's <laughs> it's traditional i mean dave weber uh named a starship after him and then blew it up <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's yeah, bad things. Uh, Eric Flint and his sixteen thirty two series. Yeah, he was in there. He, yeah, he got killed. Yeah. yeah. Bad things just always happen to Joe Buckley. Yeah. Well, Joe Buckley, if you're listening, I'm going to write a book, <laughs> and I'm going to let you live. <laughs> uh, he's kind of he's kind of like the the Sean Bean of. Um, of of Bane Publishing's novellas, you know, he tend he tends to get into it for a bit, but then he always gets killed off. Yeah, yeah, and and um, it's actually it's not widely used, but it's getting there. You know how you have a red shirt, you know, yeah, the like red it. character, you know, comes in, maybe has one line and gets killed. Yeah, uh, if you bring somebody in and you turn them into a a character that has more than one line and they live, uh, I've heard it called being Tuckerized. <laughs> but if you bring somebody in and you, you use their name over and over in different books and different series and horrible things happen to them, you're being Buckleyed. <laughs> so he's now a verb. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Um, oh wow. So that's that's so, and it's so good that you add fancy books. Like I've just I, I I when I read Jamie's first book and I saw my name in there, I was like, I got a little bit of goosebumps. It's always it's it must be it must be a great feeling for the fans and just to sort of go, hey, that's me, you know. Yep. Uh, I think it's a great thing. Not 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 enough people do it. So I think it's a really nice gesture for your fans for showing support to you know, to keep keeping on with the series. Absolutely. I, I, I want to, you know, this, the stories, you know, I could write them all day yeah, and, yeah. you know, I probably would, even if I wasn't putting them out there, but they gain so much more life when they get read. I mean, the purpose yeah. of the story is to be read. So, you know, having, that ability to put their names in it, you know, is a way of, like you said, Ryan, of saying thank you, of, yeah. of appreciating the fans and showing them in the in a very tangible way that you appreciate them. Yeah, exactly. No, I it's 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 it, to me it's like one of the grandest gestures an author could do um, for their fans. You know, I think it's I think it's a, a brilliant thing, and and more power to you for doing it. And it you know, and the the fans who are in there. Some of them are the most loyal fans I have. You know, they're part of my street team for the next book. They're like, oh, yes, absolutely. What do you need me to do? Yeah. You know, what, mm -hmm. can, what can I do? How can I, you know, how can I help with the next book? Oh, 
And that's that's so good when you get that kind of support. Yep. So good. I might even start doing it. Um, it's not copyrighted, <laughs> is it? Uh, nope. Nope. Not trademarked. <laughs> no, no trademarks. Go right. Go right ahead. <laughs> cool. Well, um, what's what's you got anything coming up after after this this next book or like what are you working on now? So I'm working on the sequel to this one, and uh, I've got about thirty thousand words, and but right now I've been concentrating. You guys don't have it yet in Australia. It's Kindle Bella, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's Amazon's version of Wattpad. Uh-huh. So serialized stories. Yeah. Uh, and right now I'm actually writing one uh, under a pseudonym because it is totally out of my usual writing zone. You know, it's not science fiction. Okay. Uh, and so I, I've been writing that. I want to finish that before I get back to the next book, which is, like I said, it's a sequel to this one. And then we'll see where we go from there. There are always short stories that I write and send out. Once I have enough of those, I'll do another collection. Um, Because those are fun too. Because I can tell the the beauty of science fiction, in my opinion, is that you can tell any story you want in science fiction. Um, I wrote a noir detective murder mystery short story and it's in the Cassidy verse it's in the collection mm-hmm. you know, I wrote a teen rom-com short story mm-hmm. that appeared in an anthology over Christmas you know it's a holiday story yeah. but it was in the Cassidy verse so guess what it's in the collection mm-hmm. um, you know I you can write anything you want you can write any kind of story you want as long as it it's in the larger universe, as long as it's, you know, as long as it has science fiction as its underpinnings. Yeah. Then it can be any subgenre of science fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I took, um, I took the Medusa legend, mm-hmm. you know, the, yeah. you know, the, the, the priestess of the goddess who was wronged by the goddess and cursed, Mm. you know, and turned that around and reworked it. And guess what? It's in the collection. It's a Cassidy verse story. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it fit. Well, that's good. It gives you the ability to write all these stories, but hey, you can still tie it in for the fans into the Cassidy verse and they can still enjoy it. Um, and, and there's people like me and Jamie and a lot of our friends, like I, I will just using the, the MCU as a, as an example, I will, I don't care how bad the movie is. I will watch it and I will own it and I will collect it. And I'm not saying it's the stories are bad. I'm just saying like, because I'm so dedicated to the MCU, um, and a comic fan, um, a movie that you know, that might not be the best. It might not be an end game or something like that. I will still collect and I will still watch and I will still enjoy because it's in that universe. Mm. And the fact that it's, it's, I kind of call it like the one shots, you know, you can just tell, tell a story that's set in the same universe with maybe one or two or, or however many characters. 
that might be someone that's, you know what? Oh, wow, I love this story. I want to know more. And Right. I mean, a classic example of that would be, you know, Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, it had it had Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. So there, there's your connection. Correct. But other than that, it's her origin story. It's all about her. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a it's a fun movie. It's a you know, it told it told the story it set out to tell, mm-hmm. and everything else, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the same with Shang Chi. You know, it had doc, it had you know Wong, and a little bit of Doctor Strange, and um, but then it so I then it told his story um just with that minor connection and i think that's that's a brilliant thing that you're able to do you've developed this universe and you can tell stories that you want to tell that may not necessarily have fit into that unit fit into that genre before but because you're tying it into the universe Mm. it makes sense right or 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 it's a scene um there's one story that's in the collection it's only a little 1500 word you know, kind of flash fiction story. Yeah. And it's this cute little proposal story, mm-hmm. a proposal that goes wrong. So it's, you know, it's a rom-com. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be in the fourth book, but it didn't move the plot forward. Okay. Okay. It wasn't necessary to move the plot forward. It wasn't necessary for the book. So it ended up getting cut out. Yeah. You know this this kernel of a scene so i expanded and made it a proper story you know with the beginning and middle and the end and it's like okay you know this is this is a good short you know it's a good little short story mm-hmm. yep. so there there's a place for it now yeah, yeah. i think that's a it's, it's a great way to uh, it must also um i don't know if it occurs but it must also give you a bit more freedom so it, it it keeps your love of the universe that you've created fresh because you're not necessarily telling the not the same story but you're not necessarily using the same characters all the time you're still playing in that universe and you're telling another story which will then invigorate okay maybe you know you might write a story about a character and you go you know what they would be perfect for book six or you know what i mean like that that's just a great way to do it Oh yeah, all the characters have backstories. Mm-hmm. All the characters have lives outside of the main sequence. Yeah. So who's to say that their lives are any less interesting than the main characters? Exactly. You, just, you know, they're the main characters in their own stories. Exactly. So exactly. Exactly. Brilliant. Thank you for expanding on that. <laughs> well, um, before we let you go, do you just want to tell our listeners and our watchers where they can learn more about you, your socials, your website, whatever it may be, anything you want to plug? <laughs> sure. So you can find me. Uh, my website is really easy, CassidyChronicles.com. Mm-hmm. So you can go there. You can find all the books. You can find the upcoming books. You can find videos uh, when when this when this is out, there's going to be a link to this interview uh, on one of the pages. That's where I do all the author interviews. Um, that's where Kendra, um, Kendra does a lot of writing on her own. She's the one who sends out my newsletters. Um, yes, my main character has a life of her own. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> um, so 
CassidyChronicles.com. That's a good place to start. You can find the books all on Amazon. Uh, there is only one book in Kindle Unlimited these days. It is the omnibus edition. So if you feel like binge reading 2,500 pages of Cassidy Chronicles, <laughs> you can, you know, if you have KU, you can read that for free. No, uh, all, the <laughs> all the other books are going wide. So, but you know how that is. It takes time to filter out to the various distribution. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Just look for Adam Gaffin. You can find me on Twitter as RabbitChipmunk42. Uh, big Hitchhiker's Guide fan, so 42. Yeah. And um, if anybody is wanting to see me in person, right now I am confirmed I'm going to be at Conquest in Kansas City at the end of May. I'm going to be in Atlanta at Multiverse in October. Mm -hmm. And I might be at Mile High Con in Denver also in October. So we'll see. And there's a couple others I'm in discussions with. So people can find me in person. I'm most active on Twitter and Facebook. Okay. If people want to find so if me. people want to reach out to you, aside from your website, they can jump on on, yep. on you know wonderful yep. well thank you so much for coming on adam oh it was a pleasure it was an absolute pleasure being here today thank you for having me and i like uh spidey peering over your shoulder yes it's actually a curtain um <laughs> <laughs> it works yeah <laughs> um yeah so anytime you want to come back on and plug anything we are we're very open we'll have anyone on um yep. and yeah Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll catch you next time. Listeners and watchers, Jamie here. I just wanted to take a second to let you know that I too am an author, and I have two books of my own. One, Letters from the Emu War. Based on a real-life event, it tells the story of the time when the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 flightless birds and lost. This book is written from the perspective of those who won. And two, Bucks Night. First in a trilogy of novellas, it's about a medieval-themed Bucks party that is interrupted by the zombie apocalypse. You can find them both on Amazon by following the links in the show notes.